In this episode we're going to talk about giant cell arteritis. Uh, first a bit of background before the case. So giant cell arteritis is a systemic immune-mediated vasculitis affecting medium-sized and large arteries, particularly the aorta and its extracranial branches, uh, as well as the temporal artery. It can cause sudden and potentially bilateral vision loss in the elderly. Uh, it's therefore a medical emergency and significant cause for morbidity. It has clinical correlations between polymyalgia rheumatica uh, and it suggests that there are different manifestations of the same disease process. And women are affected two to three times more than men. So in the case today we have Bertha, 55-year-old woman with a history of polymyalgia rheumatica with poor compliance who presents with sudden loss of vision in her left eye initially followed by the right eye soon after. This is associated with headaches in her temple pain in her jaw, weight loss, and night sweats. So the first question is, what is your initial diagnosis? So what are three differentials for this presentation? So I guess you can answer this in different ways. Um, talking about both headache and vision loss, think about things like acute angle, closure glaucoma, retinal occlusion, optic neuritis, or TIA, or just for the headache itself, you might want to think about migraine, trigeminal neuralgia, or tension type headaches. Uh, but I'd probably focus on the visual loss in my differential. So, on. what are the risk factors for getting giant cell arteritis? So, I guess uh, age is a risk factor. Most people present in their sixth decade, and peak incidence occurs in patients aged 60 to 80. You have increased prevalence in, of PMR and GCA in individuals with a European background and decreased incidence in African Americans. Uh, and PMR and GCA may aggregate in families indicating a genetic disposition. So what are the history, key features on history for GCA? So key features on history can include sudden loss of central vision in one eye if you have that ocular involvement, but not always, which rapidly becomes bilateral. So that's if you have ocular involvement, that's a more severe form. You can have an associated temporal headache, which occur daily, constantly there, worse in the morning, um, in that temporal region. Shows associated with scalp tenderness in more severe cases over the scalp, or jaw claudication in more severe cases or jaw, jaw tenderness. Other symptoms include myalgia, malaise, fever, elderly patient, arthralgia, night sweats, weight loss. And as ocular involvement, uh, you might also have intermittent blurred vision on occasion. So I guess in more detail on that, GCA typically presents with a recent onset of temporal headache, myalgia, malaise, or fever. Uh, typical features may be absent or subtle should suspect it in anyone over the age of 50 who presents with a headache, scalp tenderness, transient visual symptoms or unexplained facial pain. You can get acute severe sight impairment in up to 20% of cases. If you delay diagnosis, it might explain the high incidence of irreversible loss of vision. If you see jaw or tongue claudication, that doesn't occur very often, but it does indicate a high risk of ischemic complications. Headache is present in more than 85% of cases tends to be recent onset, or represents a change in character from previous headaches. Often in the temporal or occipital region, and is described as severe by most patients, and maybe worse at night. 
That was a complete contraindication of what I said above. Scalp tenderness may be pronounced, making simple tasks such as combing hair, resting the head on a pillow extremely painful. Jaw claudication is particularly prominent when a patient is talking or eating and is present in more than half the patients with GCA. Visual disturbances, if they're present, are due to inflammation of the branches of the ophthalmic artery, leading to ischemic optic neuritis. They occur in about 50% of cases. You can also get a central retinal, retinal artery thrombosis. Visual manifestations usually include blurred vision, amaurosis fugax, transient or permanent visual loss, or diplopia, uh, due to 3, 4, or 6 cranial nerve palsies. Uh, and all these symptoms can occur in the absence of or before the development of a headache as well. Systemic symptoms, similar to that of PMR, include anorexia, weight loss, fever, sweats, malaise, fatigue, and depression. About 50% of patients with GCA also have the other features of PMR, which include proximal stiffness, soreness and pain in multiple joints. Occasionally, symptoms relate to intermittent or persistent brain ischemia due to subclavian steel syndrome, which is narrowing or narrowing of the other aortic arch vessels or intracerebral vascular disease. About 1% of cases of GCA present with symptoms of brain stem stroke. Uh, worth noting that GCA often involves the aorta and its major branches and may lead to aortic aneurysm or dissection as well as large artery stenoses. Thoracic aorta aneurotic root involvement occurs in about 15% of patients. It's more common in women and younger patients. Note that thoracic aneurysms can develop as late as 15 years after the diagnosis and successful treatment of GCA. Well, that was fun. What are the features of examination in GCA? The so features of exam include, include having tender and painful temporal uh, arteries or temporal headache region. You may have thickened uh, or beaded temporal arteries, but they also might be normal. The temporal arteries might be non-pulsatile, or they also might be normal. Uh, if there's ocular involvement, you'll have severely impaired visual acuity and an afropupillary defect on the affected side, if only one eye is affected. You might also have diplopia, and eye exam may show evidence of cotton wool spots, this locally impaired retinal perfusion. Scalp tenderness to palpation, uh, and fever might be present as well. So what investigations would you do in giant cell arteritis? So good serological investigations include doing an ESR or CRP. Um, if ESR is over 50, that's a good sign. I think CRPR, CRP over 50 as well is a good sign. I'm sure I've read 40 somewhere, but this time around I've read 50. Imaging would include temporal artery ultrasound, MRI, and um, you can do temporal artery biopsy, obviously, as well. So in terms of your serology, um, about 4% of patients have a normal ESR, 83% have a rate above 50 millimeters an hour. And the CRP can sometimes be independently elevated or depressed in the presence of normal ESR. Other serological markers include having a normocytic, normochromic anemia, the normocytic anemia you can see in GCA, and you can have thrombocytosis.
LTs might be elevated. In terms of temporal artery biopsy, the sensitivity is estimated to be 87% and the biopsy should be taken on the symptomatic side. And ultrasound has been shown to be relatively accurate, but I don't have any numbers there for that, sorry. So a good question for KFP is, what is the most important immediate step in management of giant cell arteritis? So I guess the most important immediate step, if you're suspecting giant cell arteritis, is to initiate corticosteroids. Then after that, you can do referral to ophthalmologist. So I guess in terms of the corticosteroids, um, there's two different approaches. If you've got ocular involvement, you want to admit to hospital and use IV methylprednisone. For non-ocular involvement or uncomplicated GCA, you can use prednisone, one meg per keg body weight daily to a max dose of 60. Uh, a lot of red in ETG, uh, 60 to 100 megs daily for a week. But anyway, it's either between 60 and 100. Um, basically, you want to begin, do that for two weeks, one to two weeks, and then after one to two weeks, begin your steroid taper by reducing PRED by 10 megs every one to two weeks. During this time, assess for elite relapse when tapering by using ESR and CRP, titrating as needed. After the daily dose is less than 30, you then reduce in steps of 2.5 megs every two weeks. And then monitor again for ESL CRP. After 10 megs a day is tolerated, reduce by one milligram per month until the lowest effective dose is reached. You definitely want to use bone protection and consider GI protection to include or to reduce the complications of steroid treatment. So part of the complications of GCA is that the complications of steroid treatment are more common than the complications of GCA. So protection of um, bone and gut for steroids is pretty important. Uh, over time, flare-ups and relapses usually respond well to corticosteroid increases to the level at which symptoms were previously well controlled. And sometimes you need protect, protracted courses of therapy. Um, most cases, or you, most often, it's resolved in one to two years. So in terms of gastroprotection, you want to think about using a PPI. Uh, and you can also consider low-dose aspirin. So aspirin 75 megs daily, unless there's contraindications. But then using a PPI to cover uh, for aspirin and the steroids, the high-dose steroids. So patients will experience relief with treatment, but spontaneous relapses are common and unpredictable in the first years of the disease. Most patients are able to stop taking steroids by two years. Factors that would predict the need for prolonged therapy and increased relapse risk are older age at diagnosis, female sex, high baseline ESR, and initial rapid reduction of PRED dose. So what are the most serious complications of GCA? So I guess some of the most serious complications are getting uh, an ischemic optic neuropathy. Uh, it's also associated with and causative involve aneurysms, dissections, and stenoses of the aorta and its major branches. If you've got any CNS involvement, you can have seizures or strokes. And steroid-related complications are very common. 
So morbidity from steroid therapy is often worse than the underlying disease. Steroid-related complications include osteoporosis, corticosteroid myopathy, bruising, emotional symptoms like insomnia, hypomania or depression, hypertension, diabetes, elevated lipids, and fluid retention. Uh, and another serious complication of GCA is loss of vision. So permanent visual loss occurs in up to 20% of patients and is often the first manifestation of the disease. There'll be more severe uh, diseases with ocular involvement. The visual damage that you get is often irreversible. Partial or complete vision loss occurs in 20% of patients, like we said. Uh, and GCA is associated with increased risk of incident MI and stroke. So what diseases are associated with GCA? So I guess we've made that clear that PMR is strongly associated with GCA and they're thought to be different manifestations of the same pathophysiology. Uh, and the other diseases associated are the ones we've talked about before with the complications. Uh, the main ones being aneurysms, dissections and stenotic lesions of the aorta and its branches. Cool, that's it. Thanks for listening. As always, disclaimers being don't use this as medical advice or study material. Uh, all this work is original, uh, sourced from and combined with publicly available info on the disease and publicly available info on KFP exams. Thanks a lot for listening. Talk to you soon.